Hey y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. Hello? This is the Britflix Frightfest preview series 2019. Welcome to another Britflix.com podcast, Frightfest 2019 preview series with me, Stuart Wright. And today's guest is... Uh, He's a veteran of the Britflix uh, podcast, I do believe. Uh, welcome back, uh, Tom Patton. Hey, how you doing, Steve? You all right? I am. We 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 bump each other at the airport coming back from Cannes, and we, we speak did. and we speak every August. That seems to be our pattern now. Yeah, it is. I see you at film festivals and just before Fright Fest for the last three years. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty strange, <laughs> indeed. How life? How life? Well, to be honest with you, there's people I only see when I go to Fright Fest. Like I don't yeah. through the year, I don't see them at all. It's kind of yeah. Weird. I've, got, I've got loads of Fright Fest family like that now. You know, you just see them for that little block in August, and that's it. So you've, you're there again with a film, so your new one's called Stairs, so I'll put a link in the show notes so people can check out times and places and stuff, but do you want to tell people a brief synopsis to what Stairs is? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Stairs is a time travel sci-fi horror, so I'm doing the, uh, the old genre blend again. Okay. And it's about eight mercenaries. They're sent into a civil conflict in Eastern Europe that they're not supposed to be in. And their mission is to kill everyone at a base camp and take all the intel they can find. Right. And they follow out the mission. It's all going fine. And then they find a civilian prisoner. So they sort of argue about the morality of, you know, killing a civilian as opposed to a soldier. And they end up killing a civilian. And then when they get back to HQ, the, uh, the lift is broken and they end up on this sort of Escher-esque stairwell that, you know, goes up for eternity and gets colder and colder as they go. And the only door they ever seem to come across leads to 10 minutes before they committed the crime. So they end up trying to repeatedly stop themselves, their earlier versions, from doing it. Wow. And it all gets a bit nuts, basically. It's, it's, it's definitely my most ambitious, crazy, stylistic thing I've tried. Now, before we get into details then about how you sort of, where the hell that idea comes from, um, it's the 20th anniversary of Fright Fest this year. It so, is. So I'm, 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 I'm wanting to ask people, what do they remember of their 20th year or their 20th birthday? What, what, what comes to mind for you when you think of the age of 20? <laughs> okay, so 20, that was 13, nearly 14 years ago for me. Um, it was actually a big year because I remember my birthday, I, I drank two bottles of red wine like a torpedo and passed out, so that didn't go so well. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then I ended up uh, moving to Cyprus, and uh, it's where I started my um, film company. So I, I, I'm not, you know, university educated. I, you know, I came up with this idea to film and photograph holidaymakers, and uh, that's what I did in that 20th year. I brought my first cameras. I started to teach myself how to edit and shoot. And it was really the birth of 
me as a filmmaker for you know. Right. Before about, before uh, we get into your film, then so hold on a second. You 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 where, where were you living at the time when you were twenty four? You went to Cyprus. Uh, I was in I was in Warsaw, just north of Birmingham. Okay, so you're just north of Birmingham, and you're thinking, what do I do next? Yeah. And you and you go, I'm going to buy some video equipment and yeah. make films of all the makers in Cyprus. Why Cyprus? Well, it's actually a bit more nuts than that. I'd worked, I'd worked in Cyprus a couple of years beforehand. Okay. And, uh, yeah, I basically, I flew to Cyprus and pitched. Hello, we broke off there. Hello. This is the Brickflix Fryfest preview series 2019. So I flew out to Cyprus um, and I basically pitched myself to uh, this company. I thought they were going to say no to me. I didn't have any video equipment at all, no laptop, no anything. Blimey. And uh, I was expect I, was, I, I booked a return flight because I was expecting a no, and uh, I got a yes. So I spent the whole weekend, you know, furiously watching YouTube tutorials and video co-pilot stuff and teaching myself how to edit. <laughs> so that's that's how I started. Yeah, it seems like yeah, like, yeah, diving in with both feet. I mean, they, 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 you know, they say just give it a go, don't they? With, with don't wait for anyone, and then like you've kind of you obviously set yourself a pattern right at the very beginning. Yeah, I think you know, for me, the the benefit of that as a, as a start to my career was, um, you know, just just the the reality of film as an income. Mm. You know, because I think a lot of the time, a lot a lot of you know my fellow filmmakers out there who I really respect you know in terms of their art but then a lot of them don't approach it as a business and so for me it was always a monetary thing it was like okay i've got to if i don't make you know something this week then i won't be able to pay my rent so it's kind of you know given me this wiring when i approach film to make i guess that's why my stuff's slightly commercial you know it's i'm, yeah. I'm always yeah i'm always just approaching stuff in, in a way where it's like well hey this is this is my living you know Cool. Now, look, I'll, we won't we won't do your whole biography. Uh, we'll, we'll, yeah. leave, we'll leave that for another podcast. You probably go back to the uh, podcast from three years ago. Like... <laughs> <laughs> but um, so so you wrote and directed stairs. So for for given given you've got that sort of all all seeing eye on the film, um, and with it being sort of a mad a mad time loop thing, um, what what for you was the kind of kernel of an idea that led right, to like... this this being stairs? Yeah, I mean, it's funny because Stairs came, I mean, it's one of my like oldest, you know, gestating ideas, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, it came from uh, in the early days of me filmmaking when I'm, you know, I was, I was coming in and out of London and had all this equipment on my back and I was doing corporate videos or, or, or you know, event stuff. Yeah. And I'd, I'd get off the train where I was living at the time in Leon C mm -hmm. and you come out the station and there's this huge set of stairs that kind of descend, like, you go up this hill and they seem to never end. And when you've had like a hard day at work, like the worst thing ever is to climb these stairs, which takes forever, you know, and you've got all this equipment on your back. And I used to think, yeah, this is actually hell. And uh, <laughs> that's sort of where the idea came from. And then over time, it evolved into this concept of, well, you, you know, we built this mythology around the idea of when somebody does something, you know, morally wrong, you know, they'll end up stuck on this sort of, uh, you know, purgatory-esque stairwell that will force them to continue to reassess. Uh, you know what they did, uh, and from there it kind of you know spawned off into where well, we could use these kinds of characters and these kinds of characters. And for the first one, 
uh, we decided to go with this military angle because, you know, I was, I'd done, so, I'd done something similar with Black Sight, but I felt like I could do it a lot better, you know, in terms of, you know, scaling it up and, and, you know, really bringing some, you know, bigger VFX to the story. So that's how it happened, really. But it's, it was, it was a very complicated thing to put together because I was, was going to say, what, 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 I mean, I've written a, a time loop one myself, so I know they're an absolute bawly to, to try and, to try and keep, keep a grip on when you when you're writing it because obviously a linear story just goes and this and this and this and this whereas this when you're doing time loop you have to go and we're going to reposition ourselves again but now something new spawns out of that but also with with a mind on continuity so how did you keep it out and when you were writing this how did you keep a track of the kind of repetition stroke progress being made within the repetition well, I sort of made my, my, my life harder right off the bat because I decided that I was, I, was, I didn't want to do it in a similar vein to, you know, I didn't want to do the Groundhog Day. Really. Mm. You know, I was like, okay, I feel like we've seen this before, you know, and although it, it works and I really enjoyed things like, <coughs> like yeah, I, I felt, I felt like, okay, but we've seen this. Mm-hmm. So is, is there a way to do this kind of thing from a fresh angle? And so, you know, I started, re- you know, looking at references like Time Crimes or, and Primer. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and saying, okay, well, maybe we'll work some of that in. Uh, you know, in the time travel in, in um, stairs, you know, even though they're constantly in this loop, you know, they're, they're basically getting on the stairs and they're emerging from a door and the door appears in the past, you know, and they're sort of going off trying to stop themselves from committing the crime. But because they're in a war zone, you know, they very quickly have to take cover and get back on the stairs. So there's real consequences for every loop, you know. If, you know, nothing resets, nobody gets a break, you know, and because they're constantly climbing upstairs, their feet begin to bleed, you know, toenails come off. I mean, it's, it becomes like, it's more like the characters are essentially playing a, a video game yeah. uh, and they're stuck on a level and then they spend, you know, a, a week solid just bashing the buttons trying to get off the level. So it's that kind of thing as opposed to a time loop. Um, but it still made, it still made tracking it very, very difficult. I mean, I, I write with cards. So I tend to map out all of the scenes on individual, you know, sort of um, post-it note style cards. And I, oh, yeah. I sort of, yeah, I map them out on a board and then I can rearrange scenes and jig stuff around. And, you know, I try to make sure that every scene is, you know, feeding the next one. And, uh, you know, it, it really helps when you're doing the time travel stuff. But, you know, when, you, when you're shooting it, nothing can really prepare you as a director to go in and be like, right, OK, so now we're shooting... Uh, scene five, scene 15, scene 18, scene 63, scene 74, all in one go because they all require the exact same setup and lighting. <laughs> yeah. So, so that's, that's, that's kind of how you keep a track of your continuity. Yeah. You basically have to go, okay, well, look, this character revisits this particular scene five or six times and you want to establish like a visual language for the audience so that they are like, Okay, I see that this is a repetition that's been altered. Mm-hmm. So you like you want to use the, a lot of the same shots, and so you're having to kind of <clears throat> keep track of. Well, while I've got the camera here, I need this for this scene, and I need this for this scene, and you know, it's it's a real. There was a, let's put it this way. I mean, from I kind of described the shooters. A, it was the most fun I ever had on a film, but that's because mm-hmm. I'm a sadist. Uh, and B. Um, you know, it was almost like everybody, I piled everyone in a van and we floored it and we just went for 18 days straight as fast as we could. And by the time we reached the finish line, like the van's on fire and the wheels are falling <laughs> off. But, but you know, it was still, it was still a hell of a ride, you know. So where, where was you shooting this? So it was a bit of a combination. We shot and we, we looked all over the country for a stairwell that was, cause you know, you said, 
a stairwell could be a very unimpressive thing, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of them around. They're quite, they're quite the functional object. Yeah, and you know, and also they've got a reputation as being, you know, a director of photography's kryptonite, as uh, George Burt, my DOP, kept telling me. <laughs> and, uh, you know, because it's very difficult to show progression and and you know and and to stage stuff correctly on on a set of stairs. So we need we knew we needed something that had no windows, was very industrial looking, was wide enough to fit a whole crew on and have action scenes and stuff. But it also had to have doors and all this stuff. And um, you know, we we found a location that was perfect. <laughs> And then just as we were about to sign the, the, the paperwork on it, the guy, the guy who run the facility was like, oh, we're doing some building work while you guys are here. That won't be a problem, will it? So oh, we had to, geez. yeah, we had to scrap on that. And very quickly, you know, I was coming through my uh, phone book of contacts and I called a guy called Spencer Hawkins, who's a filmmaker as well. But he happens to also run a, a shopping center in Romford, you know, and I was like, hey, you don't have anything like this, do you? And he had... This step, this fire escape a stairwell, three of them actually that were coming off of uh, an abandoned nightclub on top of the shopping centre. Get came out of town. Yeah, it was honestly you couldn't. I couldn't have dreamed for a better location because we've also got this green room and all the facilities you could possibly need, you know. And so that was that was an incredible location to to really pick for it. And then uh, the can I walls... stop you there? Can I stop you there? Because then I think for filmmakers listening, like obviously you've just gone through the experience of we're ready to go, we've got the location. <laughs> And then the guy goes, by the way, I'm going to do what every filmmaker doesn't want you to do. I'm going to make a load of noise. So yeah. you're like, I can't shoot there. So now you've got a film ready to go and nowhere to shoot. Basically. And then you get plan B and plan B turns out to be better than A, which is kind of like, that's the hope, isn't it? I suppose. That yeah. Keep plan, burning. plan B was the dream. You know, you were just, it, I mean, I'm obviously a pretty jammy guy. I mean, I was just really yeah. blessed to, to come across this. And the guys at the, um, you know, at this shopping centre, was so supportive of us. And, and the really ironic thing about it is that the stairwells, as they descend off of this nightclub, they also act as the fire escapes for uh, a cinema. So we were essentially shooting a movie, like, right up to the back doors of these cinemas. And thank God they've got these big fire doors in which soundproofs them. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was, it, was a, it was a really bizarre... Could, but, could, um, for, I, for, for, the, for the layperson, then, can you explain why, maybe a bit more about or elaborate more on why stairs are a DLP's kryptonite? Well, because, <clears> you know, a lot of, a lot of when you're, you know, you're trying to tell a story visually, you know, yeah. you're, you're looking for depth, you're looking for ways to really bury, you know, uh, details, you know, in your scenes so that the audience is maybe not consciously aware of what's going in, but they, they, it feels cinematic, you know? Got you. The problem with stairs is they tend to be very narrow, so it's very hard to block stuff on stairs. It's very hard to move actors around in interesting ways unless they're big enough, you know, and also you don't tend to get that depth that you get in a lot of shots. So you have to come up with really inventive ways to keep that stuff visually interesting. And uh, it was a big challenge for the film, but I think the end result really speaks for itself. You know, there's lots of, coded messages that are built into the concrete around the shots and uh you know we did some really interesting things with the lighting and, and you know keeping the film you know escalating through color schemes and so on and then obviously we, we, you know we keep going to this war zone stuff which you know is quite big in scale and there's lots of explosions and bombs and stuff going off so kind of keeps everything just interesting i think and is is it a sense is it is is the kind of bad guys of the movie i was given hell Hell is what they faced with, and you've got people doing, as you described in your synopsis, someone kills someone, and that sort of sends them off on this kind of loop. Um, yeah. <clears throat> is there 
is there a sense of a real sin going on that's beyond what they've done, or is there is there is there a, like a bigger karma thing, or is it yeah. what, what are you trying to tell us about about people? <laughs> well, it would be it be giving too much away. I mean, I sort of in, intentionally want you know because my my movies previous to Stairs have been very. You know, and the, and the thing is, I'm very blessed. I've got I've got a big I've got a big fan base that's built up around the stuff that I love. But I've got an equal sized bunch of people that hate me. Um, you know, and it's because I've tended to make sort of very simplistic, you know, commercial movies, good for a Friday night with a beer. And you know, with with stairs, I felt like actually, you know, I, I wanted you know as as a filmmaker to do something a little bit more ambiguous now. And so there's a lot of stuff under the hood going on in in stairs and. Uh, cool. Especially, you know, even down to, you know, we use this colour palette in the film that's very, like, harsh RGB, uh, you know, red, green and blue, which is kind of, ha you know, how you, you know, how we see things on monitors and TVs. So there's, there's you know, some encoded stuff bedded in that as well. So and, what, was uh, you, what was your thoughts there, you, you and your DLP? What was that to help you achieve? Well, I mean, I, I, I'm a big sort of, like, it's funny because I'm, I'm sort of very interested in things like simulation theory and things like that. So there's, um, what's simulation you know, theory? Yeah, you know the idea that this is all a uh, all a matrix, if you will. Oh, okay, uh, okay, got you. You know, but not, not a traditional matrix. More like a, we're all a bunch of you know non-player characters in Grand Theft Auto, something like that. Um, you know, thing. yeah, I know. <laughs> but I kind of find that stuff really interesting, and you know, the, the sort of one of the cores of you know core themes in Stairs is um, determinism. You know, and, and no matter what these people try and do, things seem to just keep kind of go in the same way for them and uh you know and uh, we want to really explore the you know is is time set you know can you not really you know so chaos chaos plus manifest destiny yeah there's a lot of elements in the movie where you start to see stuff that you were shown in the first 15 minutes is actually caused by the loops that they're doing later on Blind. you know so, so you start to you know kind of wonder whether they can actually alter or change this in any way um you know and a lot of a lot of putting that across was like, okay, well, what could be some of the reasons for this? And, you know, we found the idea of making everything RGB and building in this idea of, you know, possibly a simulation theory argument was kind of interesting. And that led us down this path of um, shooting all the war zone with this sort of very graphic novel day for night look intentionally, yeah. which is super hard to do and have it look good. Because, I mean, day for night normally looks like absolute dog shit. And, uh, you know, I really wanted to push what we could and couldn't do with something. You know, like, I'm one of these people. If someone says, hey, don't do that, Tom, I'll be like, fuck it, I'm going to do that. Hmm. So, um, you know, that's kind of where that, that came from conceptually to, to do that that route. And, uh, you know, it was an absolute nightmare to film, but I'm really proud of the results. So when, be people, so people when like, I hate this blue thing, but, it, you know, I love it. Well, you know, it's your choice. It's your decision, isn't it? I mean, that's kind of part of it. You've got to, if you've got to, if you've got an idea and you feel strong enough about it, you, you can't really think about hope, well, hopefully you can't think it. too much about. You, well, you can't. You can't really. You have to just do what you feel is right for the project. And um, you know, I think that visually, what we've done with says is very is very interesting and it's very ambitious. So hopefully, people go, oh, I see what you guys did there. But we really wanted to have this sort of like reverse or modern update Wizard of Oz thing, you know, where we're using our blue as our sort of black and white, Got and you. then the stairs are very sort of colourful. So, yeah, we'll see, we'll see what happens. <laughs> well, brilliant. Well, let's remind people then, when when can they see this film? It is playing on Monday 26th. Close, it's closing the Prince Charles Theatre for Fright Fest, and brilliant. it's on at 6.30pm. Brilliant, brilliant. Well, look, thanks for giving us your time on the Britflix podcast to preview your film. I'm sure it's going to be fantastic. 
of course. I'm really pleasure to be back on third year in a row as well. Indeed, indeed. Well, look, well, I'll keep a space for you on for the fourth year in a row. All right. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> the Britflix podcast is provided absolutely free. If you want to help me get the podcast out to more people, please take a moment to leave a review on iTunes. Or if you want to help me out directly, there's a link in the show notes to my Patreon page. All contributions are welcome. And the music is by Chris Reed of thecomposers.tv. Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.